morning is from St. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1568. Glory to you, O Lord. St. Mark 9, 14 through 29. Mark records, when they came to the other disciples... They saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing about with them about, he asked. And the man in in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by an evil spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, and he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water in order to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us, and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind of can come out only by prayer. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. We have a loaded lectionary this morning. And I have a title for this sermon. The point that I hope you take away at the end of this. And you can judge whether or not I got us there or not. The title is this. It is dangerous. It is very dangerous to refuse forgiveness. Okay? In Isaiah... The first reading this morning, we are privy to the prophet prophesying Israel's impending exile to Babylon. In fact, the, uh, the title uh, of that section is um, The Disobedience of Israel and the Servant who is obedient. And as we go through there, Isaiah is prophesying to them, he is encouraging them that though they will be turned over, that they will be liberated one day from their exile, and that they will experience repatriation into their homeland. You see, the exiles that they would become are punished because of their disobedience. However, he mentions to them that they are not going to be like a woman who has been irrevocably divorced by her husband. Throughout Scripture, we read that the equivalence of disobedience and sin is like that of a disobedient bride. And in those days, a husband could sign divorce papers and irrevocably divorce himself from his wife. His hands were clean as far as the law of the time was concerned. Now, I want to be very careful as I tiptoe around this because we, we talked about obedience and, and so forth before. Wives, be obedient to your husbands. Who is the bride of Christ? The church. The people. Men and women and children, those who believe are his bride. So in this case, he's saying to the people of Israel, you know it, you have been 
disobedient. You have been adulterous. You have cheated on your first love. And even though our righteous God has every right by the law that Moses put down for them, had every right to divorce you and never think about you again. Isaiah says, he's not going to do that to you. When he asks, where are your divorce papers? Well, they didn't have any. Likewise, he says, he is not like a father who sells his children into slavery to pay off his debt to his creditors. Boy, there's a, I'm sure glad that that isn't customary anymore. Debt. It was legal. Sell your children to your creditors to pay off your debt. They're no longer yours. He's telling them, this isn't what God the Father is going to do to you. God is going to allow you to reap the bitter harvest that you have sown, sin. But he's going to redeem you. Imagine that. Man or woman. Being betrayed. By the one you love. And yet you pursue them. Betrayed. I don't know, I'm not going to paint the picture in there, but we've all been betrayed. Think about that deep hurt that you've been betrayed. Feel it for a minute. And, 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 and remember how maybe you reacted to it. And yet, our Father's way is not that way. He pursued them. He longed for them. He never left them nor forsook them. And yet, the people didn't believe. Some did. We know that in 538, by the decree of Cyrus, who was the ruler of Babylon at that time, he released the captives. And do you know that some didn't leave? Some stayed. Even though the prophets had said, he'll come back, he will liberate you. He will restore you. He will give you back your land. So when Jesus says, to the people, rebellious folks, how long shall he said, uh, you unbelieving generation? Do you remember that part in the gospel? How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? It's easy to read that and go, man, he is mad. Is that a threat? No. He's pointing back to Isaiah. He's pointing back to the promise. 
Because also in Isaiah, we read about a servant, the obedient servant, the one that is going to take the stripes. And by those stripes, you are healed. The one whose beard is going to be pulled out. The one who set his face like flint and resolutely went to Jerusalem after his mountaintop experience. And by the way, that's where we just came from as Jesus was coming down with his disciples from the mountaintop where (coughs) Peter and the boys wanted to build a a house for God and Elijah and (laughs) Moses, right? So they came down from this mountaintop experience where God revealed his son once more to these guys. And they wanted to stay there, but Jesus came down off off the mountaintop and he finds himself right in the middle of controversy. He, uh, He finds himself with people who are arguing, who are in despair, that have little faith and no prayer. Why couldn't we get rid of this one? Well, I'm sorry, guys, but this one, you can only get rid of this one with prayer. You would think, man, these guys really should have had it. I mean, they've been, they've been hanging out with God. They should have really figured that out. He had people in there with their tongues wagging, and we're going to get into James for a little bit too, but you, know, you had the, the experts of the law arguing with them. Probably saying something about this boy is that his parents must have been son, son, something really bad because God's punishing this child because of what the parents did. And Jesus brings them back one more time. He says, you lack faith. You lack the ability to pray. You are in unbelief. The father says, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my doubt. Can you identify with that? I can. That's our nature. That's who we are in the flesh. We can't help but doubt sometimes. You have a child that's frothing at the mouth and throwing himself into a fire and into the water? You might even say, well, I must have done something really wrong. God's saying no. Jesus is saying no, it's not that. He's saying, you need to believe. Well, is my kid going to stay sick because of, of my unbelief? No. no it's, it's, that's, that, now we're going down that path of, of works. You know, if I'd only prayed harder, maybe I didn't say it right. You know, maybe I beseeched the father and said, you know, my son is afflicted with this. Please take it away. And he doesn't sit there and go, ooh, close. Close, Ken. That prayer just didn't quite make it. If you just said, I don't know, you know, or if you'd just been on the ground prone, if you, if you hadn't missed so many days of church, that's not it. It isn't up to me and it isn't up to you whether or not we have success, what we call success, or healing, what we call healing. 
And, and the Lord gave me and many of you firsthand experience with a child that is afflicted. And I walked down that way for a period. And it was a horrible, horrible burden to carry. I must have done something bad because I can tell you a lot of bad things I did. And, and you might just shake your head and right out there. But our God doesn't work that way, even though we do. Our God doesn't work that way, and Isaiah was saying it. Yeah, you've been a disobedient, you've been adulterous, and you've been bad, 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 bad. But he's encouraging those sinners. He's giving them a gospel message there. You can't do it, but there's one that can. And by his stripes you will be healed. By his punishment you will be healed. By his sacrifice you will be healed. He's foretelling them that. And I'm doing the same thing week after week after week. You are not, I am not worthy of the gift of life that he gave us. Isn't it interesting that there's nothing new under the sun? <laughs> right? Here's what, uh, what Isaiah is saying and what Jesus is saying in short. Yes, we are adulterous. Yes, we have lost our first love. Yes, we are sinful every moment of every day. Everything that is in us is sin except for Christ. So Isaiah is shouting, and excuse me for shouting because I'm going to do it right now. He's saying to you, and this is the great comfort that you cling on to today. He is saying, yes, you are all those terrible things, but I love you. And look what I have done through history, you people. And I'll do it again. I'm doing it again right now. He says, behold, sinners need not despair. Behold, their sins are atoned for. Behold, it is dangerous to refuse forgiveness. In a nutshell, God gave his only son to the world, to whosoever should believe. They should not perish, right? But they should have eternal life with him. Now, how do I get eternal life? Well, I'm looking out across all of you here, and I know you're all baptized believers that you confess with your lips that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And in our liturgy, before we even got started with this, we confessed our sins. He already knew. But we confess. We repent. And then the beautiful thing that happens that he does for his son's sake is he forgives you all of your sins. And my job with this evil tongue that curses on one side and praises on the other 
is here to exhort you He's got you covered. He's taken it for you. You can have peace. He's going to deliver you from your own personal battle line. He is going to restore you into your homeland, the land that you haven't even seen yet, this holy place that God dwells. He is ultimately going to bring you into his presence. And he is not going to say, wow, you know what? I see your tail is kind of smoking. It was pretty close, wasn't it? Huh? No, he's not going to do that. He is going to run out to you like that prodigal father who prodigally gave his love so lavishly to his son, he is going to run to you and he's going to scoop you up in his arms and he's going to say, oh, how I love you. How do I know that? Because he said it. How do I know that? Because he sent his son to tell you that and to show you that, that that one servant does exist, that one who doesn't speak evil with his tongue. Jesus didn't speak any evil. I'd love to have heard what Jesus said when he hit his thumb with a hammer, because he was a carpenter, right? That's probably blasphemous. He promised you in your baptism. He gave you the deposit of the Holy Spirit. He gave you his righteousness. You are clothed in it. All right, well... You know, I feel like I'm in Babylon right now. You know what? I do too. (laughs) And you know what? We are. This whole world is Babylon. This whole world, we are captives. However, do not let your hearts be troubled, my friends. Because he's given you his forgiveness. He's given you his son. And we get to go home for those who believe. In the name of Jesus, amen.